Welcome to Superstructure. We're here with with Natty Smith, Max, and today we Max Sejo, and today we have uh, Scott Ferguson to discuss. We're going to discuss uh, why uh, capitalism is not real. That's gonna we're gonna tr- just like inflation is not real, neither is capitalism. We're Nothing's all, real. We're all living in a dream, and that's what we here at Post-Structuralist MMT are here to say, that all of your most cherished illusions are, are false. It's the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pill, maybe several pills. Um, you can take them, and then you take the carbon pill, and then, I don't know, there's a whole process going on. Um, it- it turns out that outside of the matrix is also the matrix. It's, it's very confusing. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I wanted to talk today and have Scott and Max on to talk about uh, something that might be confusing for people and that I kind of wanted to ask questions about as well to clarify some of my own confusions, which is I think kind of from to an extent left, right and center, we all talk about this system we're in right now as, as quote unquote capitalism right and even there's this uh sense that we're under capitalism there's this very visual imagination you know like under capitalism going to the bathroom is meaningless no i don't know but <laughs> it's like a big tent that you can't yeah, yeah. You, you wish you could get outside of yeah totally and i think um you know scott's research and work on on money and kind of pushes back. I know you had a, an arcade article uh, for Stanford Arcade about um, laying out some theses of like, okay, well, thinking through fiat money, what does that say about this category of capital, let alone capitalism? So we wanted to sort of trace some of the, the history of, of this term. Uh, I know we pulled some Raymond Williams key terms that you have capital and then capitalists and later capitalism and uh i think that we feel like this uh, obscures what's going on to an extent uh, and makes uh understanding how the economy works harder rather than easier at times like we just have this sense of this profit machine that's a runaway train that is also this tent that we're under and makes the ability for us to have public investment and participation um, really limited in different ways, but I think is still something that I have confusions about as well. And I think even people who are anti-capitalist, sometimes it's interesting to follow the discourse on Twitter, which I know we're all fans of, but there's sometimes I'll see sort of glimmers of people like, I don't actually know what capitalism is. And then, uh, but then other times there's this doubling down on like, we've done a lot of work, capital is power, or there's like, you know, Malcolm Harris will be out there like, Bordeaux's version of capital is totally wrong. He's just saying it's like clout. And I'm like, yeah, but the way you're imagining capital is this just like scientific entity is like not that dissociated from a meme of like power as well. Anyway, but there's all these questions of property and uh, there's a lot to get into. So we're going to kind of explore these questions and hopefully elucidate some of our way of thinking about this. And let's see, I wanted to ask Scott, like, how would you summarize kind of for people what you were doing in this uh, Stanford Arcade article where you kind of laid out some theses to explain like this confusing statement, which is also at the end of your book a bit, uh, Declarations of Dependence, saying, you know, capitalism isn't real. So um, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess that's a lot, but yeah. I guess 
What concerns me is that the name that we use to describe the system or systems that we are a part of matters. Uh, and that, as I think you were beginning to suggest, when we, when we use this term capitalism, it tends to imply a lot of logical and causal necessities that if you look at the world that we're in from the point of view of public money, of MMT, of endogenous monetary creation, it doesn't, it, 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 it forecloses, it forecloses and it naturalizes in really problematic ways. And, you know, what, what I was trying to note in a brief way in some of these different writings was that, you know, we can historicize this term and others have, and Raymond Williams has. Um, it's, it's very fragmentary, his little bit in his famous <laughs> keywords book, but it, there's a lot of richness there. I mean, he, he's telling us that the word capital uh, comes first um, and that, that traces a long history that we can talk about that goes back to the uh, 12th, 13th centuries. Um, surprise, surprise, it has something to do with Franciscans and their relation, their freaky relationship to money. Um, and, then, and then in the 19th century capitalist with some, I think there's some scattered uses before that, but it's really in the 19th century when capitalist as a person who wields capital uh, comes into being but it's really not into the, into the late 19th century that socialists and critics of the system begin to use this, this, this expression capitalism as a name for the system. And then the, you know, whatever you want to call them, the bourgeois apologists or the captains of industry or whoever you want to, whoever you want to call the, you know, um, those in power of this system, they, according to Williams, they only embrace this term after the socialists have labeled the system in this way, and they, ba they basically come to own it. So if you read John Locke, if you read Adam Smith, if you read Ricardo, you're not going to see, uh, you know, an analysis or defense of capitalism. You'll, you know, they might talk about capital, they, they might talk about a system of commerce, but they're not they're not calling it capitalism. And I guess there, there's plenty of details I think that we can get into, but above all, I would say it, what, the, what this does is it, it, it names the system that we're in according to the, um, the very name of, of, those people who, and, and those powers that we are trying to critique and think otherwise than. And that's a, that's a huge problem. So what's the imaginary of capital? Like this kind of sense that it seems like it's some sense of property, right? That's, it's, you, I think in Raymond Williams, it says it comes from like the, the word head, you know, and then the head of cattle and there's this sense of like the, I don't remember the East India company or one of those, like they're using that and right. Adam Smith about dynamics of capital. Like what, 
what do they mean by that? Like, it's, is this some sort of neoclassical imagination of property? Like, what what is capital for them? I don't know, Max, if you have um, thoughts, I, maybe it's yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth starting um, with perhaps making a break between how a Marxist today would talk about capital, right? Or like, you know, blaming, whether it's blaming everything on capital or it's going to be subsumed by capital or all, you know, all these phrases that that we'll hear. Um, but, you know, capital means something in economics. It's kind of particular and, and it changes depending on the thinker. And there are a lot of different variations. And I think the, the slippages between all these variations are sort of uh, generative and par for the course on the sort of development of economics in, in, in general. But, you know, I, I think there's a number of ways of talking about this, but like intuitively what capital is essentially, and I think we could, you know, somewhat, somewhat positively assert it in, in like a Ricardian context as an instrument of production. And so what that means is that it is something, right, usually, that can facilitate productive activity. So I think the, the common one we might think of is uh, a machine, right? A machine is capital. It, it, it helps facilitate at a factory the production of productive activity. Um, capital can also be tools. It can also be... Um, a form of expertise. Capital can be, um, you know, uh, infrastructure, right? Like capital as, as literally the factory, like the shelter of a, of a factory. Um, it can be, I mean, it, it can range all across like all the different ways we produce things like from pencils to pens to, to all of these instruments that facilitate production writ large, right? So that's a very general sense of what capital is, right? I, it's basically capital is everything that's not your hands. <laughs> um, and, and, and that that facilitates production. And, you know, there's something kind of imperfect about that. But I also think it's helpful for, as a baseline understanding, what conceptually is going on here. Um, yeah. Now, well, because no. it's interesting how Scott notes just quickly, yeah, like this turn from kind of, you have it as this sort of, you know, some capitalist, capital property, but this late 1900s, you know, French, German socialists, the first ones to say, okay, capitalism is the system we're in, this sort of assault of productive property, right? And then the reuptake in the 20th century of proponents, but then at this whole kind of rough rubric is gets obscure because we're like we don't what do we what do we even mean like is this propertyism having prizes? I mean like what right. is and, <laughs> and and I think I mean it's important to say that at some level propertyism would would be another way of saying that right but it does shift again like if you say propertyism you're 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 then foregrounding the legal structures of property in the first place rather than the material that capitalists own, right? These the material capital, the things uh, and instruments of production. And so there's a deviation here that I, that I think we need to talk about too. But before we do, I think one, one thing I want to say here, right? In relationship to ownership is the idea that 
the capital, these instruments of production are privately owned. And that is, that is a crucial aspect of the way a Marxist would talk about, right? So this is private property over the means of production. Um, and that is, that's this, the, the crucial causal point by which the system of capitalism is articulated as a system that is run by the capitalist class. Um, who are who is the owning class, right? Who I think, as as someone might say, who who owns ownership, right, at, right. at large, <laughs> as a as a as a problem. But there's another aspect of this that it, along this genealogy that I think is important, which is the shift to Smith's right and and shifts Smith's definition of capital being something a bit more broad and open than just the instruments of production themselves and just like the pencils and tools and and machines and the loom. Um, you shake out the world. I always say you shake out the world and you're going to get big project, big products. You're going to get lighters, you're going to get pens. So that's that's <laughs> how I would describe capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, look, lighters and pens. You, you had me. You had me. Um, but... Shake out all the sofas and you end up with the the overproductive uh, yeah. remnants. No, I don't know. <laughs> but but then there's there's another lineage here that I think is worth talking about, right? Because a lot of Marxists will talk about capital flight. Now, what does capital flight mean? Well, it's like, I think we've pointed out that capital flight has nothing to do with the factories flying away. Like the literal material instruments of production are not flying elsewhere, right? So then what what they mean essentially is capital in the form of money. And I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of lineages for thinking about this and obviously Marx sort of exquisitely details the process by which capital, capital C capital um, comes into being as this sort of autonomous uh, social relation of extraction um, that is predicated on all of these ownership relations right and and divisions of labor but um you know smith talks about capital circulating right and circ the circulation of capital right so if we think about the instruments of production we can't just think about the instruments of production without thinking about money so smith sort of opens though that problem and uh, and, the, and that question of production and commerce too the ability to essentially invest and mobilize resources across distances, right? Otherwise it would just be this factory in this located place producing this thing, right? But the, the, the circulation becomes a crucial aspect of the way capitalism and, and commodity forms in either money, the money form or commodities themselves start moving around, right? And start this sort of tornado effect of circulation and, and extraction that is predicated on the division of labor and ownership of the instruments and means of production, right? These material forms of capital. So I hope that sort of sketch of a little bit of the lineage just in economics can be helpful for understanding what then like coming back to the question, and I think I, I want to hear more about uh, Raymond Williams's keywords, perhaps uh, through through that looking glass. So I think that there's there's several parts of this genealogy that I want to keep fleshing out, but just to to come back to 
the problem we have with this term is that it sort of presumes that the foundations of this entire system uh, rest upon the use and exploitation of capital um, as private property by private actors for private ends and that governance, legality, any, any other form of mediation um, is somehow downstream from, uh, you know, causally and ontologically downstream. Superstructure. Yeah, right? it's, I mean, it's superstructure, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you name the entire system capitalism as a system of by and for the private and the private as alienating you're essentially i would say giving up you're giving up your analytic to those to those powerful players that that you purportedly um disagree with Right. And it seems like you're saying too, like when you kind of like get to the source of things like that causality is um, public, like there's a, the public money that's coming from interdependence, which in all different ways has been colonially um, installed, but that that's always the, the, the issue. And so this at issue, and so this sort of attempt to put causality with just like capitalists in a mood is not really getting at the questions of, of interdependence. And it's almost like there, and it does relate into the, the taxpayer myths, right? But there's this sense that the origin, the source comes from like the capitalists are making money almost, right? That they they arrived and made property, you know, and that they, they sure they set up government, but they set up government and legality just to like reconfirm this property they'd already taken, you know? It's like the... The directionality is very um, uh, obscured a bit in that way, I think, which makes it where, okay, well, we just mean capital is like the mean, the mean kinds of property that are dominating and that are these assets you took, and then you took the government to confirm your assets, and it makes it where it's hard to see what is public production in ways that already exists in all different ways in our economic um arrangement if that makes sense i wanted to quote really quick and then you guys can riff on this a bit but i pulled some twitter quotes i have one from uh, money on the left guest in the past and dukta paul was responding to another favored superstructure guest daniel besner um, <laughs> 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 on capital she says uh, we have a bunch of legally and socially defined rights to coordinate resources and processes those rights are being hoarded at the moment and won't easily be given up. Sure, calling that capital quotes and making it a unitary thing adds little and makes it all seem not just difficult as it is, but somehow logically inevitable, which it isn't. Yeah, and I think, I mean, obviously, Sanjukta has this absolutely right. Um, and just to, to trace it back, right? Like, what does it mean for capitalism to be like to be the mode of political economy the epic that we sit under or within um i love to be under i hate it but i love it 
Um, well, we'll get we'll get to Marx's confessions later, but um, yes. but what what that means is Mar- essentially Marx right? Franciscan confessions. These are my yeah. confessions. Yes. <laughs> is that logically right? This is what Cendrick's just getting at. L- law, rights, money are a means of production which sits prior to outside of and completely um completely foundationally at 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 this place that can't be touched logically by money by publicness by by law right so the if if the the means or instruments of production including money are our capital which are owned by privately by capitalists without law involved right the physically in possession right like in, in this in this sort of german idealist sense of property as of taking possession of a thing from nature then there's no way to rearticulate any form of ownership of the means of production from within the legality that as it relates to public or money or politics of money, even politics in general, there's, there's no logical way to rearticulate that those coordinations. Um, and, and that's the logical inevitability that Sendrick does describing. And it's something that we've gone on about, um, over and over again, which is that if you start with the idea that a capitalist has taken private property and and owns the means of production in in nature, right? Without a, without legal structures, there's no way at all to unwind that process of 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 history, right? I mean, that's the process of history. That's it's central to this dialectical movement of history. And it's just totally paralyzing as a name, right? As a way of naming the causality of political economy. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's that's what we're getting in. And we've tried to spend a lot of time on Money on the Left, on Twitter, and our writing, trying to name the, the causal matrix that underlines private property as it's described by socialists and capitalists, right? We're trying to unravel and defamiliarize that whole story. Because it is interesting that kind of the 20th century move was to like, you know, yeah, that you have this consolidation of capital, capitalists into capitalism starting from a socialist point of view. And then, yeah, this this reuptake that's like, yeah, we are capitalists. And it's like, it's it's interesting that it could be reuptaken that way. It's, it, I don't know, I just, I'm very curious about the way in which, yeah, you know, I listened to, I don't know if I listen to odd lots or whatever, you know, like a kind of business show, there's a sense of, you know, like I, and they'll have guests on, you know, here's a guy from city or whatever. And there's this sense of capital. Like I do the, the kind of markets business people do talk about capital in this way. And then there is this sense that as well on the left, there's this sense of inevitability of this thing capital we're under. I don't know. I, I just, I'm kind of like, circling around some of the, the the great points you guys have both been making, but it's it's just, it's interesting these overlaps and the way it kind of all melds together in a way that is pretty confusing, but I think 
people sort of repress that confusion and pretend it's really clear. <laughs> this is this really clear thing. It's the property, it's mean, and we're under it, and they like it. You know, and it, I don't, I don't know, but the, the, the actual complexity of this genealogy is, is really interesting when, yeah, like the capital in this specific historical moments and centuries when they're dealing with certain kinds of property that are being formulated and certain people who've been designed certain rights and then people who are resisting certain schemas and people who are pushing back and it's all of these are ways in which people are contending with what is property as a public and so just to say no there's this private law that's just this runaway train that's leading history is just so reductive and makes it really hard to yeah see inside kind of what's going on well and i think it's important you know one of the the best and i think central examples of uh a kind of causal logic that we're always pushing back on that seems to be baked into this uh, this term capitalism and what it what it is supposed to mean and entail is uh, the logic of profit or the logic of revenue financing. Um, and then, you know, debt financing is just revenue from another source, right? And there's this whole sense that monetary mediation um, has to... L- like a, like a quasi-physical thing has to come from somewhere in the form of some kind of receipt, some kind mm-hmm. of value made in the past elsewhere that then can be appropriated in some way privately. Um, mm-hmm. And then this, right, it's, this creates this treadmill effect where, you know, no individual actor or firm or what or or state or or church or whatever ever has enough right and they're always trying to recycle the 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 funds that they can get from elsewhere from the past and then this leads to inevitably to structural crises and um and there's really not not much you can do about it right except to resist the entire system uh, of capitalism. And our argument is that the, that's not actually how the system works. Uh, credit is um, endogenously created all the time. It's sort of logically and structurally first. Uh, if, you, if, you look at, if you look at contemporary firms, you know, you'll see that a lot of Silicon Valley firms like don't turn a profit for years and years and years right? Like that we have a lot of horrible, but, but we have a, we have a lot of, of finance and credit creation institutions and mechanisms that, that should show us that that's not how it works. Right. So it's not, we're not apologetic for this system we're, we just, we just say it, it, its own, we don't, as always, we don't take its own terms for granted. Right. And I think one thing I'll add, aside from just saying in general that whatever profit is, is an accounting variable anyway, right? So like there's not a, there's not like a, a big vault or a big like scale inside firms that, you know, they, they take money away on one side and they put it on the other. And like, once we hit break even point, then it's like, oh, we did it. We made the profit for the, for the, for the month, you know, it, that's, that's not, 
that's just not how the accounting relationships of profit work to begin with. But I want to take up, um, Natty, your point about the reuptake of this term capitalism, right? And I think what I've learned from, you know, Scott's research on this, especially, uh, is that, right, I mean, I guess we could think of it in sort of simplistic terms. Um, who has the power in this system, right, is a, is a really relevant question. And ultimately, to me, is what Marx's kind of question is, right, is who has the power in the system? And then uh, on top of that, we might even say not to not personalize it, like where is power being exerted in this system, um, right? Because it, it's not necessarily a person. It's not a capitalist, right? Uh, uh, it's not, there's not one bad guy, Um but John, John, yeah, yeah John, um, <laughs> classic. Uh, I think also Matt. Matt, Matt I was going to say Matt. Matt. Matt and John. Matt. I made, I made, um, so silly of me. There's multiple. I can't, yeah, we recycle the mats. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Just but, for a John profit. So right, the, the Marxist, the Marxist story about this <laughs> is that it's not a person, but it's a, it's a logical system of relationality that proceeds through commodity exchange, right? And that, that commodity exchange comes before legal systems and public production, right? It's private production, a commodity exchange system that's, that, that sort of spirals and, and, and just grows exponentially according to this like historical dynamic of movement, right? And, and trade. And, and this um, is that it, this is part of turning Hegel on his head. This is Hegelian yes. Geist. This is the this is the the phenomenology of spirit read through a a, a materialist lens, yeah. such that it, spirit is the is the kind of false idealism of of the money form, right, and of abstract yeah. value. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, there's a there's an author who uh, is escaping me now, but who reads capital as a phenomenology of the commodity. Right. So this is a this is a reading that's that's present in Marxist literature. Um, but and I'll the, see as well on, you know, I follow a lot of things through Twitter. I'll let you pick up in a sec. But this this sense of which is confusing for me as well, because I think it's baked in, I think, for most of our conceptions of how the economy works, you know, from left and right is is the sense that, yeah, there's this profit lo- profit logic, which is this sort right. of has this shape that's installed itself, this little key that's inside everything. And that just yeah. drives everything. And I think I, I, it's, it's a little bit confusing for me as well, because I think this common sense is so deeply ingrained that, you know, I know Will Beeman has done good pushback on kind of citing the, the different ways heterodox economists have pushed back on, on, on profit in terms of price. I, and, and honestly, this yeah. is all a bit hazy and confusing for me, but so yeah. I can relate to the way there is the sense that, yeah, this guys that the capital is this profit logic that is this teleology kind of that is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the it's what Sanjukta called the inevitability <laughs> so then coming back to the question of where does power exert itself um there's a few qualifiers right it depends on where you are in the development of the system historically right so that's this that's historical materialism and sort of mapping and figuring out where in the system of capitalism whereby private ownership over capital through process through a logical structure of profit and exploitation has moved through history right and so you have to figure out where you are to answer that question which is what 
historical materialists do, right? They map all of these, like they analytically map the phenomenological pro- process of spirit as materiality, and right? And, um, and, and so, I mean, but where Marx ultimately comes down on in, in, in an interesting way, and I think is, and this is why I think it's confusing for people. It's not, like, it's not, the, the, the power exerts itself in everywhere as a totality at all times, but all of those things are mere, even from Jeff Bezos's actions to our activity every day, waking up, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, going to podcast or going online and trying to, to gain clout or, um, or Cap- anything. Capital, right? capital. Nuts. Right. It's all right. It's all (laughs) well. I mean, it's it's an extraction. It's it's a logic of extraction that is playing out even even in our romantic relationships, right? It's we're extracting something. We're exchanging, right? Like this is this is a thoroughly totalized logical structure, and that's why people can say under capitalism because it's everything. It's a completely totalizing structure of the exertion of power over every aspect of life, everywhere on earth, and even in space, right? So that's the, but but ultimately, right, we could bring all of that back to the question of where the power is exerting itself. And it's not in any person, it's not in any legal system, right? Those things, whether it's consciousness, feelings, uh, it's all superstructure, right, for Marx, where the power exerts itself is in the logical structure of exchange and of mediation through money, right? And and that is ultimately why he can describe, right, capital as alien, right? As the agent process logic of alienation um, that, that haunts everything, right? And so and that, that relates me, into the, the, the recycling thing, the- that Scott's talking about, right? That this, exactly. Yeah. And, and so then what we do is we start from the premise, okay, what is the logical structure? How does it manifest? Exchange, mediation through money, private property ownership, right? The, the necessity when you own private property and, and you, you reify money as, as a commodity to recycle your your energy on this sort of treadmill of profit generation to sustain yourself. Otherwise you will go bankrupt, right? That is a classical economic story, right? Well, need- and that you want to, the, and the, there's the, the stories that I, you know, the, that I, I want to understand more, but the, the cutting corners and the, the you right. know, not paying people as much, the sense that the way money is designed is this imposition of numbers and the profit motive is just going to inevitably, and again, not to apologize for structures we have, but that it's sort of the numerical in and of itself almost is going to necessitate this um, limiting, this, this sense that, and, and the same way that the sense of, well, you've, you've been forced to, you need to make more profit, so you can't pay your workers as much, and then this this sort of abandonment of, of money care, right, towards your workers is kind of imagined as that abstraction, this sort of taking their labor as this thing that you dispossess them from. Like, I think that's all connected yeah, and, in the way it's imagined. And one more thing I'll say um, is that, 
Right. So by necessity, because of how labor value is works, and I, I went over this in my uh, lecture on Marx's book, Value, Price and uh, Profit, or I think it's, yeah, it's Value, Price and Profit, um, is that by necessity, the only way for a capitalist to, to sustain themselves is to exploit workers, right? It it's built into the system. Yeah, Even if they wanted like to help their moral workers. failing. Yeah. No, it, they have to, right? Because that's where value comes from. And if you want to generate economic value, you have to. It, it's a it's a logical economic mathematical impossibility not to, right? And so this is where this is where power exerts itself in the system of capitalism, right? And this is how then we try to unravel right? Which is to say all those things that Sanjukta said, which is, wait a second, the means of production, these instruments of production, this capital is not acquired in a vacuum. It's not maintained in a vacuum, right? There are all these political structures. We could even call them like rents, like divvied up, right? Often, um, you know, you get this land and you get that land and, you, you know, you get these sorts of things. And then we will kick the peasants off of this land so that you have workers like this. These are choices being made by legal stakeholders, right? And I think this is where we, you know, we cite Christine Dazan too at, at some level. So um, I, I pass it off to Scott to, to maybe expand or take it in a different direction. Well, I want to um, focus on, you know, the, some of our ontological priors, um, both like in contradistinction to 19th century critical constructions of, uh, of socialism or socialist critiques of so-called capitalism and in you know, dominant uh, positive appropriations of that term of capitalism, they're almost always ontologically committed to uh, individualism as the ground of, of existence and the ground of relationality. Right. So uh, we can say money isn't a thing. It's a social relation, but it, it's it's nevertheless always involving what Marx obsessively will call, you know, definite relations between real, real individuals. I have a, a quote pulled from uh, uh, the German ideology. He says individuals always proceeded and always proceed from themselves. Their relations are the relations of their real life process. How does it happen that their relations assume an independent existence over and against them and that the forces of their own life become superior to them? And then he's answering this with the division of labor. But so this is him starting with individuality, proceeding from, from themselves and then saying, well, of course, it's always social, of course, individuals enter into relationships. Um, but if you start from that, then you set up a system and an understanding of the world that, that sees the individual as always, always threatened with alienation and having things removed from them, even if it's just abstract, necessary labor time. Um, and um, you are, on our reading, foreclosing the way that interdependence and social institutions are real <laughs> and are primary and are always already mediating those individuations, those individual people, those individual interactions, 
you know, I hate the word exchange. I don't think that's what we do when we, <laughs> when we use money. It's a um, bit barter, barter inflected. It's very bartery. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so part of not wanting to use this term capitalism, both against in contradistinction to the, to the Marxist tradition or certain inflections of the Marxist tradition and, uh, you know, certain mainstream apologists for the system is to get away from this um, individualist ontology. So there might be, I'm, I'll let Max go here, but the sense that we're saying it's not that you were like, you had your little ball of self and then you got pulled they sucked part of your ball out into this other ball. I don't know, but but that we're I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. abstract <laughs> balls. They're the worst. Right, right. But that, and, and I don't think everybody does this much. I mean, I think there are Marxists who kind of there's this Marxist alien influence, right? But that, that would say, well, yeah, but we get it. Like what we're saying is there's there's institutions and institutionality with some rules that are bad rules and. And, and we want to push back on bad rules and that would say, well, we're pushing back. We don't, we don't agree, agree with this ontology of the individual. And I think I can imagine traditions that pushed back on them and said, oh yeah, but we understand that it's all legal, but we're saying legally it's profit and that's bad and we're interdependent and it's a bad interdependence. So kind of what, I mean, I'll let Max go with where he's going to go, but after that, I kind of want to put a pin in the fact that I do want to understand like what what do we dislike? What is then the, the system we have? What is wrong with it? What is, what is profit in our reading? Yeah. What, what, anyway, but I'll let Max go ahead from where he was. Yeah, so I think like the just the first thing I, I want to say, right, is you don't have to locate your premises in this very particular German, Western European philosophical origin of individuality, of encounter, like this is a particular historical philosophical lineage that I don't think actually leftists should really care that much about, honestly, right? Like for in a, in a deeper sense, like I think, I think ultimately what we should be caring about is the suffering of, you know, anyone and everyone, right? And, and trying to, to make to, to alleviate, okay. to okay, plan Buddha. better. Okay, Buddha. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, right, but just to like make people's lives better, you know? I mean, I, I don't like, there's something actually kind of simple about that. And like, okay, then you have these questions of like, how do you understand what better means? And how do you do that? And by what means? And within what system? And what is the history of the system? These are all important questions, but you know, I mean, we, you know, Marx gets the encounter metaphysics from Hegel, who gets it obviously from Kant and then Kant through back through Descartes and Descartes through, you know, his Franciscan lineage. And we could keep going on and on a and long, on. A long, a uh, matrilineal line. Right. And, and, and <laughs> All the mommies. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so at, I think at some basic level, like, like, you know, okay. Like when companies are allocated the right to do horrible things to workers in the environment that is terrible and we need to stop that how do you stop that okay there are relations going on here of of power and how do we orient ourselves democratically what is democracy how does it work what you know what are the failings of democracy historically in the u.s or abroad or in other places these are all incredibly relevant questions right but but you essentially give up the game every time you say capitalism, 
right? It the you're you're designating the impossibility of what you want to do before you even try, right? Which doesn't mean things are easy or change. Like people study like how change happens, social movements, and you know all of these things, and the development of you know different types of constitutions. I mean, you know, from Chile, you know, there's there's a constitutional convention and a new constitution that and and that came through like massive protests. Like there's all of these pathways to potentially altering these structures of rights and coordination and international structures. It's not easy. They don't happen quickly. Sometimes it's whole lifetimes that people go within certain systems that change very little. So to me, and I think this actually comes back to something that I wanted, I wanted to bring up here. It there's, and, and why I think like psychoanalysis is sort of important for us uh, is certainly, you know, especially, uh, uh, you know, for everyone present in, in, in this podcast is that when you, when you say capitalism, not only are you saying those capitalists, actually, they have all the power, right? They're the ones with all of the power, right? We have no power, except maybe at certain hinge points, like the, on the factory floor or whatever, you know, at certain hinge points in the production process. Um, so that, you know, no wonder the name is like, is taken up again, right? A capitalist is like, yeah, this is my system. I own it. Right, right. right. You named it after me. Just like our our issue with sovereignty, right? When we reify, like, Ray, like the king, when we say you're the king and the whole system is built on kingliness, we're also giving the king a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah. The king is like, that's right. My decision, my decision means everything at all times, right? And we're like, no, of course it does. Like, no, we have power. Like, it doesn't, it's not, it's not power. Like, it's not absolute power. It's relational power dynamics. It's often asymmetrical, but there is power in humanity, right? I mean, I just, you know, in, in individuality and collectivity and and all of these things. So, and that's not all um, there is, as we like to say. That's not all there is, right? It's not. Yeah. It's not always just no, a of question of power. Yeah. No, right. but but to take, I think taking up Marx's like that that is Marx's question, right? And so I think, yeah, you know, and he's foreclosing all of these aspects of of care that we talk about, you know, in in that in that obsession about power and likes to defer care into uh, a sort of voluntarist. Um, free associationism of like you know to wake up in the morning and and you know you know do some herding and maybe uh work on the farm and then write poetry at night sort of to each according to their own decision making with a definite plan with a definite social plan plan. with the plan um but i i thought it would be funny because like it's interesting i'm interested in marx as a person also like i think a part of the way we read things is like, okay, Marx is not like a, some prophet, which is what he called himself at one point. Um, but he's a, a prophet, person. A prophet of prophet. Yeah. Wow. No, sorry. Beautiful. <laughs> um, An but, anti-prophet of anti-prophet. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a person with values and, and I mean, you know, dare, dare I say that, right. He would, he would, uh, he, he would likely subordinate those to a, to his historical situation in a production process. But, um, I have, I have from my, uh, my very small Marx portable uh, edition, um, uh, the confessions of Marx that, um, that he wrote, which I think actually got some play. This, on is, his, this is his like, Augustinian, um, um, yes. phase. It's wild <laughs> that they would include that in some like abridged greatest hits 
book. It this book is not very good. Like just <laughs> as far as like of the things you should read from Marx, it's like there's a there's too many documents and letters and not enough just like chapters of capital well, I, and Grimrissa. I, I do think like Marx doing sort of his 19th century version of kind of like a, a home lady's personality rubric is relevant. And I do like that that's been included. It's kind of like humanizes yeah. Marx in a way and makes yeah, it well, less right. pretentious as well, you know. <laughs> no, exactly. That's a good point. That's um, a good point. I think it's a. Um, I think it's a good subversive choice, but I don't know if that. I see the point. Was. No, I see. Yeah. I see the critique for sure. But it's kind of fun <laughs> to like put him in that relief as well. You know. Yeah. So. Um, I'll just read from this. Right. These confessions were Marx's replies in English to a set of questions given him by Jenny and Laura as a part of a parlor game and recorded in English by Laura in 1865. So, so bougie. Um, so, right. I mean, I, I love this. So we can, and, and I just, before I read them, I do want to tie them like to this question of like power and capitalism and, and the, and the question of like submitting to a system mm. and like starting before the system and like the way, and, and like, you know, what, what he, what Scott mentioned from German ideology, like these are all relevant to the way Marx views the world and analyzes the system. And I know that there are a lot of people there who don't believe that they exist as uh, a value, a value containing personality as they move through the world doing research. But I, I, I assure you that that is likely the case. So, and it was the same for Marx. So I wanted to, to start with your favorite virtue and Marx answers simplicity. Um, so there's there, you know, what do we have there? That's like, okay, what's the sort of uh, Hegelian, like very logical premise? Like what, what is the, the basis point? Oh, it's just like one person, right? That's very simple. Hmm. It's a, it's a very sort of simplistic starting point that then the whole thing, ah, oh, the whole bad thing. Like, Cream, starts profit <laughs> rules everything around yeah. you, cash. Ah. Yeah. Oh, well, then you, you have know. to write really complicated books in order to, to extract yourself from the system. Right. To and you know what you need from complexity into, into simplicity. It doesn't go so yeah. well for him at times, but. And you know what you need to write really complicated books uh, is, is Marx's favorite virtue in men, uh, which is strength. Um, mm. You need to be a very strong person I'm to take, write complicated books. I'm taking notes. Yes. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happens that the causal mechanism at the heart of this system is this is strong men working. Mm. Mm. So yes. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, you do, know, do, not to, that's delicious. Simple. Yeah. Not to uh, you know, not making any claims about that. Just you know, just providing news to the people. Um, so, and then on the flip side, right? What is bad? What is bad about being under capitalism? Well, it makes us weak. We can't really do anything. And that brings us to Marx's uh, favorite virtue in women, which is weakness. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think we need to say anything about that. Um, so I'm going to skip a few because they're they're not relevant. But well, you can see in which this logic too can kind of install itself as like 
okay, well, the simple fact is we are all subjugated like women under profit, you know? And so when you, yes. when you take profit, which, you know, we, again, like you said, we are believers in pushing back on the democratic principles of institutionality and mediation and the ways that people are oppressed and suffering, right? But when you just create this one single principle that's subjugating and being subjugated is womanliness, right? Like there's a lot of possible traps in this um, yeah. imaginary. <laughs> and again, it's just not just Marx, like obviously Hegel, positivity is masculine and negativity as void is is feminine, right? Like, and, and there's, you know, phallus and like, there's, it, it's all there, you know, it's all there in this lineage. But, right. um, and to your point about like, Marx's idea of misery, so he says, is, is submission. Yeah. Right. Total, total, Um, total kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, like confessions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip. Absolutely not submit. Wink, wink, wink. Right. Well, right. So this is is the one part of this that I found so funny. Um, Marx's favorite name, right? His favorite name. Uh, Remember who the questions were given to him by, right? Jenny and Laura. His, his favorite yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, his favorite name is Laura and Jenny. Right. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, Talk about submission. Right yeah, there, right? you know? yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot we can, we can, like everyone. He's certainly analyzable. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so the last thing, I mean, last thing I wanted to say about this, actually, this is a. This is a, a, a point that'll bring us like sort of back into the, the hardness of the conversation about the concept of capital, mm-hmm. which is Marx's favorite uh, maxim, which is uh, in Latin, but I'll read the English, is nothing human is alien to me. And I think, you know, this comes back to what Scott said about the German ideology, which is that alienation, uh, capital, the relations of money, the the vampire that is the profit motive as manifest through capital C capital. Uh, for Marx, it's not human, right? Because nothing that is human is alien to him. And an extraterrestrial you know, number that has installed itself. It's this sort right. of code that's taken over our that, brains and yeah. And then, you know, we bring up on the Jewish question, right? Like that, like that's where that goes, right? And I've, we've talked about that a lot. But to me, what ultimately we're saying is that when you say capitalism in this way, what you're describing is a system that somehow is unnatural in a, in a deeply metaphysical sense that like we're we're not human right now. Like essentially we're not being human, right? We are all aliens in ourselves to the human experience. And to me, I just logically like that. It can't be the case that we're, we're not as humans well, living and, the human experience. And furthermore, and furthermore is the, the implication is right there that being a woman is subjugation and therefore not human. Exactly. Right. <laughs> perfection right? right i mean that's the that's the logical that's yeah. the logical grounding right yeah so we're and and nietzsche would say this outright right uh. like we're all we are all essentially women under capitalism right 
Um, that's the, and women as coded as pure weakness, absence and alienation from your yourself as masculine potential. Um, and I mean, you know, fuck that. Right, and which is again, not to say in this like reverse reification, right? Where we're some like girl boss capitalist, right? We're not saying actually no. moderation is to be like a, a really powerful uh, person who's not paying my workers and I, and I have a <laughs> giant company and I'm wearing a dress. Like that's not the point, right? <laughs> but the point is that kind of by implying the entire logical structure has even these, these gendered economic um, dispossessions of humanity sort of dispossesses humanity itself of having to deal with the problems of uh, democracy that it has for itself and that are historical memes, right? And historical lineages. And it kind of, it does, like we've said, sort of take away the ability to contend with our own humanity within the way we are publicly um, working together in, in various uh, levels of, of health and or not health uh, various levels of of i don't know what the right term is for what we want to have right but a kind of functioning that is Flour like flourishing yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah flowers and that comes Joy. back to, to yeah. flowers yeah. flourishing coming from florecer right like yeah. To, to, yeah. To, to flower mm -hmm. to come into being yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I know, um, I know, Scott, you've talked about like money and flowers, which is um, really gets people excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's ultimately, and what that, <laughs> Sorry. what that, what that takes is mediation and, and the entire dominant, uh, there are other traditions, but the entire dominant tradition of modern Western political economy is predicated on uh, 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 a suppression of those kinds of broad mediating structures. And it, it you know, I mean, one origin for it is, is the Franciscans and their, I mean, they really made a lot out of, um, as we've discussed, a, a kind of direct, simple use of goods that somehow come to them immediately, either through begging or they they build up with their with their own you know their bare hands, um, and you know this is this gets taken up throughout the tradition, gets taken up in classical political economy. It's it's you know it's everywhere in in the first volume and especially the the, the famous first three chapters of Capital Volume One, right? Um, you know, use value is is plain and clear as noonday, right? There's no mediation. It's and and there's something that's supposed to be the basis for flourishing um, in in the Marxist conception of that's supposed to be anti-capitalist. But I think we would say is is really austere, right? And really anti-media. I think this this thing you're saying about like fair life and this use value, I mean, I think it's really natural that the flip side of that is this bootstraps capitalist um, um, myth, right? That I'm gonna 
pull myself up and make it happen. Like that is that flip side of that austerity. Right? Yeah, we're not like, saying yeah, those are the same, but no, they're, but they're weirdly, related. Yeah, they weirdly yeah. mirror one another in an asymmetrical way that gets lost, that gets lost on both sides. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Well, I, I guess I wanted to quote, I don't know, we've kind of touched on a lot of this, but I'm also going to quote Scott on a, a tweet, which kind of teases out some of this, this end game causality of Marx, which is, Scott, you say that, that Marx cannot seem to construe money as anything other than the imminent expression of the form of private property, right? So not that way private property is this prior bare hands use, right? Nor can he think money is a mediator in its own right. And that's, that's the trick of value form analysis Positions money is the end result and the final expression of an underlying and ontologically prior private and always conflictual dynamic rather than from the start a constitutive mediator. And in this way, he says the state is unproductive, only, only capital is. And it's this, this bare hands origin of property, right, in a way that makes imagining and this end result value that makes imagining the constitutive public possibilities of this always an issue question of property uh, difficult to um uncover anyway i don't know what you have to say about your own quote I stand by it stand by. Scott, scott was right i was scott right, was right. <laughs> but i'm not i'm not always right so in my original, in my original piece for arcade where i was basically concluding that capitalism doesn't exist. I think I was still relying on the language of sovereignty. So I, okay, um, okay. You know. This this is a tweet. This is not from that piece. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so searched, I, I searched I'm capital. still flowering. Still flowering. Yeah, he's he's still flowering. Still still developing. He wants yeah. he wants everyone to know that uh, you can't trust what he says. Um, yeah. At any given time, because he'll it'll he'll change like a on flower. a dime. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but even when without your language of sovereignty um you're still getting at this this question of that constitutive production right and where causality is is coming from and um i i would insist that max de- or will or whoever delete all references in the beginning to the piece and then leave it in later to keep people uh confused no sorry <laughs> 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 uh, yeah i mean you know i guess another way of putting it is like isn't it the case that most of the time when you know leftists and marxists and socialists and <clears throat> any number of like leftist positions will will call upon this term capitalism in order to justify their own their own lack of agency right or to justify the way that things cannot change i mean ultimately i think that's what drove me to 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 make this claim in the first place right it it's yeah it doesn't it's not actually it doesn't serve a sort of pragmatic political function at all right it's it's actually a, a a sort of radically antisocial like invocation of yeah like of one's own non-agency right and 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 essentially the corruption of the self by you made me uh, a woman history. sorry right yeah exactly <laughs> um, yeah 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 right i mean that's i mean it's a it's a 
there, there are a lot of steps involved in, in asserting that, but yeah, essentially like I, you made me submit to a system that I was born into and never chose to submit to. Right. And, and, you know, we, we can come back to sort of consent as a ground of liberal political theory, you know, blah, 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 right. Social contract as consent. And we didn't consent to capitalism, you know, all of these, right. All of these structures when actually, like, if you actually think critically about consent, it's that, no, we can consent variously to things under capitalism, so-called, right? Um, air like quotes. We, the, the audience yeah, needs to so-called. know that you're doing air, air quotes. quotes. Yes. Oh, and, this, uh, and, famous. and this Franciscan rejection as well that goes hand in hand with this sense of absolute in all places power, this is this the sense of um, if I don't touch the problem, the problem isn't there, right? And the problem is yeah. the whole problem. Like you said, oh, well, yeah. you know, the way we've mediated money has um, yeah. disenfranchised some people, right? Democratically speaking, that hasn't been used at all times in a fair participatory cradle of care way, yeah. right? And so, but if we just imagine this as this pure, only a power problem and the way to solve it is to step away and not touch it because we've been already disenfranchised. It's just a refusal to engage, right? I mean, it's a refusal to, to not as in like, oh, you, you won't go to work and you're lazy, but it's a refusal to to deal with um, participating in democracy, you know, it's, I, I, there's a kind of iconoclasm I sense in it. Like, you know, I feel like some people do it with profit. Some there's kind of this aughts, nineties thing, like corporations as if the imaginary of capitalism is these, this, this no logo move, right? Which is like, yeah. the problem <laughs> is the image and the image is lying, right? And there are images <laughs> that are, that are um, deceiving. Or, I mean, I know Scott, you're a media critic and you talk a lot about like, you know, in the blockbuster and film sort of all the the symptomology of our visual culture and what it says about where we are with this mediation of production and money but if i just say i'm not touching that it just creates a loop images are bad and they lie you're not getting quote unquote outside the problem of imaging of the proto-aesthetic of production you're just kicking it into a cycle that is avoidance and then symptom and avoidance and symptom and there's not a real reckoning you know yeah and it's a logic of i mean it's (laughs) one lineage of this is is a logic of original sin like going back to augustine you know it's um, and and imagining, you know, imagining some uh, pure communalism that's prior to any ownership, and then and then t- to engage with money, to engage with mediation, um, is to be fallen, right? Um, and Eve, Eve yeah. that bitch, Eve, that you know? bitch, Eve, she- yeah. <laughs> She used to be Adam, and then they made Adam Eve, and yeah. things. And now we're all like, Eve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we're all Eve under capitalism, and we don't um, even remember that Eve was Adam's bone. We keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is a man uh, <laughs> underneath, an alienated man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, she comes from the male bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit and, is a bone. That that's Hegel. Yeah. Oh, that is so bad. 
Um, uh, and then you end up with money that reflects the power dynamics of the bone, but money is just at the end and it just, it puts a number on the bone. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to also say like one other lineage of this too, right? Like the, the important Franciscan one. And then, you know, Scott also mentioned Augustine and just like, you know, Christianity kind of writ large and implicated and bound up in complicated ways that are not univocal in this problem. But also like, it should, it should, it's worth saying that like the Greeks are also, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason why, you know, Aristotle defines money the way that he does, right? And can you remind um, remind those of us who are rusty on the Aristotelian monetary? I have a friend Aristotle. who was, I have a friend who was like, "What is what is uh, Aristotle's monetary idea?" And it's like, "Well, actually," and they're like, "Oh, that is like a real thing." I'm like, "No, I, yeah, that actually is." A, they were like, "It was a yeah, joke." Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, some some people have even said that Marx just basically gets his description of money from from Aristotle, but right, Aristotle is is of course a sort of a realist, right? Like. Like the, it's it's uh, you know so money money is in the world right it's not it's not it's not form in in the or some absolute platonic ideal of of you know me, mediation or or sort of this numerical relationship so you know it, it's it's exchange right it's basically fundamentally it's it's a thing in the world that's used, meant to be used for exchange. Again, you could you literally can, could just did, zoom. Did you pull uh, any of the call and drum uh, uh, explications of Aristotelian uh, monetary theory, or have we left that out for this one? I I, I did not pull any of that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, but, but we could also think of Stefan Eich's recent book too, right? The currency of politics in this in this context. Who who works with like Greek theories of money, but but like literally. And he's trying to more think about money as a, a political instrument in the polis and kind of picking up on this other, right. yeah. Other lineage, yeah. but still mm. the Greek city-state as polis, like there's a complicated structure here too that still I think is bound up well, in this problem. We should, we should consult, uh, Charlotte was telling me that the biggest Greek city outside of Athens is, is Melbourne. So that might be kind of where we can find out. <laughs> <laughs> we can locate that's the money problem. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Um, or alienation, if you will. Um, How dare you, Max? Uh, That's yeah. wow. Um, but, but I mean, like you know, it, it, I just need to reiterate, right? Like Marx and Aristotle's definition of money as exchange is practically the same. Like this, there's a massive period of time between these two thinkers, right? And it does not change between that whole period, right? And and, you know, the grounding of how we think about political theory is is in this Greek lineage. And, you know, I mean, well, I would say it, it changes, but that that certain certain moves and certain metaphysical suppositions um, get revived. Right. And, and are made right. dominant. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. I mean, because it, yeah. there's a there's a, you know, Thomas Aquinas thinking about just price is very, very different from sure, this kind sure. of univocal exchange metaphysics. Well, totally. I, I guess the point, though, is that there are all of these sort of foundational moments that that like this problem of what money is, is massive. And it goes back you know, since what, you know, the since to the question of like what we some would say, like the dawn of like Western language in Homer, right? Um, and and the original Enneagram theorist. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and um, and so the there are a lot of there's been a lot of like I guess you could say progress differentiation in the way things get defined, the way they play out. Um, but in also in a lot of ways, this this whole structure, like to even say under capitalism, and this, it's to to me, it's just like profoundly ahistorical. I guess it's another way of putting it, right? It's it's. <laughs> A lot of this this under you know there is i think that would be another interesting episode is kind of there's a whole body of literature right about what is the origin of capitalism you know in this sort of medieval moment you know and they say yeah there was commerce before but what's different is the way i don't know the peasants had to go into wage labor and that became hegemonic yeah. like there's all these things that will say yeah of course there was commerce of course there was money before but somehow yeah it was a totally different don't complain and there is this whole really particular historical lineage that i think in some ways we want to bust up right but i think we're we want to yeah. also say we're aware of the fact people have this sense no we know there was money we know there was commerce but we're saying it became this whole other totalizing thing and we and, yeah. and other is the key word there right it became right. this whole other right. right right and this whole alien other and yeah like there's um, uh, you know, un, you can't read all the histories of productive relations that exist, right? That that are fascinating for the way they describe the particular movements of how coordination and production re, you know, moved people around and like totally like and killed people and committed all of these crimes and and you know all of you know there's so much there's so much detail to there's been to a develop. lot of sins. A yes, lot of sense. That's right. Yeah. A lot of sense. A lot of. I think sins. The, the the solution is just to go back to the garden, but don't eat the peach. And then <laughs> don't eat the peach. Un, under communism, we don't eat the peach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other topic. I think for another time too is like this sense of I. Uh, I kind of noted in, but I don't know if it's. I, I will notice there is this whole sense of I feel like people will argue about. Um, what is uh, in in these Soviet states or whatever, what was, well, actually we had state capitalism and I don't know, I just feel like this whole sense of like production and money is just the whole thing feels really confused and I feel like we end up in a lot of like weird um, kind of cul-de-sacs of confusion yeah. by not understanding the way in which like money is not originarily private and that like, I don't, I don't know if state capitalism in the Soviet context makes sense even if yeah you want to pose that in contradiction to council communism where value and money have been abolished right but i don't i just don't think state capitalism is like clarifying very much and so i noticed i don't know especially in kind of this modern internet thing where there is like a big marxist leninist contingent right and i don't know versus and then there's these huge debates that i don't think we're really like in but kind of in internet left culture these huge anarchist versus marxist leninist debates and this the sense of well what was state communism or state capitalism or not and i just feel like they're missing a lot of the like main questions and it just it's like not coherent in a way you know it's just and that's why it ends up just like looping fully i mean they, and it acknowledged <laughs> as not coherent like it's it's acknowledged to be incoherent often by some of the people who are in these debates. i mean by you know by c derek varn but also like you know, state I've, I've read all of stalin and there were admittedly problems <laughs> but but ultimately like right like state state capitalism is when the state owns okay who is the state okay when the the party is the private owner of the means of 
production, i.e. all the capital. Okay, like, wait, like, how can a state be a private owner? Like, oh, oh, we get start getting into these right, weird, because like, workers are just private actors, and then they can right. aggregate as the socialist Leviathan, and then they can appropriate the private property as a collective on their own behalf, on the behalf of the working majority, rather than the owning minority. And that's like lower stage socialism in a kind of classic Marxist sense. Right. right. And then you get into all these, you know, again, like these problems with not opening up mediation, right? Where you have, you know, whether it's like tankies or, or Leninists, or it's, you know, you're like neoclassical Marxists, like, like Matt Brunig, where it's just like, you know, nationalize this and nationalize that, you know, like Walmart is good. Just make sure that we all own it and we're exploiting each other in the name of the proletariat or something, right? Um, mm. No sense of all of the complex mediations that could be reorganized such that we're not doing the Walmart mode of production anymore. And and I think one more thing, but maybe before we wrap up is like ultimately what all this conjures is the incredibly difficult question of democracy, right? Like that, like as a sort of central sort of aspect of the problem. There you go with the Greeks again. <laughs> right. Well, as, as like the problem of mediation, right? How do we mediate the structures of production, right? Ultimately, it, it comes back to that question of like mediated agency in a system of accountability and, you know, and these hard questions of democracy and democratizing uh, public money and democratizing uh, sort of legal decision making and, and, and how, how those mediated structures of democratization and the process of, you know, democracy uh, over time can reproduce the world, mitigate suffering, enable flourishing. Like the, these are the questions that, that then we return to, right? And, and that's the hard thing that I think when you just say under capitalism, you, you actually make it impossible to even really consider democracy um, in, in any meaningful sense, except as a deferral of the problem till after the revolution. Um, and because you have to bust up the, the totally totalizing system that is a logical system before you can even start thinking about democracy. But like the system came into being under considerations variously of democracy. So it's like that the, there's that you're already set with another besieged by contradiction once again, right? But I, I think ultimately that's where that's where our that's where you know that's where we're focused, right? About it's democratizing the public, you know, means of caretaking of flourishing. Um and I and think certain leftists get frustrated with us because we don't, to their ears, have uh, a theory of power, a theory of takeover, a theory of, you know, well, what kind of democracy do you, are you proposing? What are you going to do? And I think that's, I mean, we, we got plenty of plans, but we don't have the plan. And for us, our, I think our, our expertise and the role that we've taken up is like, to open up these questions through media, right? To like 
open up the question so that we can have a discussion about, well, given the circumstances, how and should we be democratizing X, Y, and Z institution? You know, um, should we democratize the insurance industry? Maybe not. Maybe we should abolish it and build something else, right? But it's like, it's not, it's not just one, it's not one univocal theory of power or theory of institution building or anything like that. And the phrase, well, under capitalism, we can't have a job guarantee like that. (laughs) It just shuts it all down. So we're trying to open up that imaginative space. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like I have a pretty good plan, Scott. You do. (laughs) We're, We're opening up a research program. That's, that's my Max Barn synthesis. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's, opening a, it's up, a paradigm. Yeah, opening up the question of the research paradigm. No, I'm, just yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting too specific in my, in my references. But those are, yeah, I think those are really beautiful reflections from, from both of you that, that does help me kind of think through like the ways we're opening up as far as wanting to destabilize in a way um, definitions that are hegemonic, again, just like we kind of did with Mitch with um, inflation in a previous episode and not to just be like, nah. and then there are, there are these parody versions of us and MMT's position, right? You just don't care about inflation. You say it's not real. And I feel like there'll be people, you're saying capitalism's not real. You don't even see suffering, you know? And, and none of that is, is what we're interested in, right? What we're interested in is, is destabilizing definitions to open up uh, definitions that help us think and act in ways where we can work towards democratic flourishing, right? It's a, so that's the, the goal. I was at a simple, actually. Yeah, it is pretty simple. I was at this conference. It was in uh, the, the left law space. And um, I think there was a presentation on the job guarantee. And somebody very earnestly in the audience, you know, raised their hand. And was like, you know, this sounds great. But, you know, do we really think capitalism will allow it? And I just... I just, this to me is like, like the heart of the issue, right? Like that should not be the question that we're asking, right? And it, it came from such an earnest place. Like, will, will capitalism let us, right? Well, what, an what alien if, daddy. It's an alien yeah, daddy that's yeah, yeah. that won't let us suck things away. And, and, and that's where the, this, in, this revindication of questions of, power as far as what's possible does matter but there there is this huge this creating this alien thing creates this scenario where we can't imagine things that are possible and we're so well (laughs) not to not to use marx's words against him right but like at the in in the beginning of the german ideology he talks about how um, you know, man, you know, of course, um, has created all of these ideas, right? These sort of phantasmagoric thoughts that then are we, then we encounter them as real in the world, right? And I, I actually think that's a good description for what, what when, when people say capital, that's what's, that's what's happening, right? Like, this is why we do use the word reify. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's we, you're encountering this thing in the world that is that is real to to you that that actually isn't like it's not an like it's not an alien daddy who's like no 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 
you can't do that. I'm not going to allow it. You know, um, right? I mean, that's and like it. You know, it, it, I do think there's like that. There's that element of you know, of of sort of these Marxist concepts becoming something of a, a, a sort of living a life of their own in a way that they relate to our psychology and what we think is possible and where we put up roadblocks emotionally to questions of these hard questions, you know, like right. of, of good things and, and what we want and flourishing and, and those sorts of things. And again, and that's why, and I think that's why all that stuff is, I think that's why I think my point of view of, as far as the kind of money and left's like vision of, of political practice, as far as takeover and power is so heterodox because if what you want to say is that you think this certain setup, it's going to be really hard to get a job guarantee, that might be true, but it's not metaphysical, that difficulty, right? right? And so, right. so we're allowing for the possibility of different kinds of practice and different kinds of right. roles and different attempts at different things, right? Go ahead, yeah. Scott. Well, what, a, what a, another thing I like about that particular anecdote or that little, that little story is it... It, pre- it precisely takes seriously uh, what what Marx in in Capital Volume One talking about Robinson Crusoe <laughs> uh, dismisses. Right, he's like, we're gonna we won't take in any any account of his prayers. Right, like his his desires for something more, something bigger than what is yeah. immediately in front of him. And I think even though that person was in a sense regurgitating a certain a certain kind of doomerous jacobin reading of uh michael koleski's you know famous argument about full employment and so-called capitalism he did it in such a way that was like a prayer it was like well can't it won't let us do that will it like will Mm -hmm. it i wanted Mm. to you know Mm. That, yeah. that question of will, yeah, that word will, yeah. and the way will gets kind of disembodied yeah, and yeah. Anyway, that's a, a different but related yeah. question. Um, I think I think that's pretty. That's a pretty good place. Yeah, I think we we've I think we've uh, opened up a lot of uh, things that we kind of are often I think sort of gesturing at uh, more and less directly in different parts of you know the the collective writing and 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 talking and tweeting and I think it's kind of useful for me and so maybe useful for other people to kind of think like well what 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 are the stakes of why you're asking these questions about terms that are sort of hegemonically accepted and not seen as particularly controversial, even if at times confusing and, and what are the stakes and also opening up some of our, our questions about, about metaphysics and marks. I think it's, it's useful for people to kind of flesh out in different analogical sketches um, what we're trying to do with that. And I'll just say it's hard. I mean, you know, when I'm teaching, for example, like when you're trying to t- to set up, you know, a certain context in which certain films were being made and there was a movement and it was, uh, you know, it's m- mid-century America, right? And like, I, I don't want to say capitalism, but that, you know, that's the literature that they're reading about and they're trying to describe. And we don't necessarily have a lot of great language 
that's an alternative, right? So that I think that's another thing we're trying to do. It's not that we're just trying to shut down the word capitalism. It's that we're trying to reach for other, other language that's going to make other kinds of interdependent mediations visible. And, and I think one last thing to add to that, it's also just a matter of saying what we mean, right? Yeah. Saying what we mean. It's not because, because, because often like these invocations of capitalism are, are mystifying, right? Mid like, oh yeah, mid-century capitalism. Okay. Well, what are you actually, what are you actually describing? Right? Like let's, let's actually describe it. You know, I mean, that's, that's maybe another way of, of just like, as well, a that's why, you know, I think we all kind of refer to David Freund's work because it, it does open up this, this mid-century question of, of, of the personal home and property and mortgages as part of the credit state yeah. thing. Yeah, the Where, FHA that? loan. That's just the same capitalism as always. That's just the same exact code that's just like lurking through yeah. everything. No, there's particular historical moments of production and particular modes. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but. I, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and they're going to have different names than, say, some of the Marxist uh periodizations you know industrial capitalism liberal capitalism monopoly capitalism you know it's mm -hmm. yeah the truce between labor and capital you know like yeah, all yeah. of these all right. of these yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so what we're saying is that we are in conclusion um femboy mmt post-structuralists so that's uh, yeah take so please that, take, that, yeah. take that tweet at us word. tweet that yeah. at us <laughs> Please tweet that at us and also um, uh, support support our Patreon. Yeah, do um, that too. Yes, yes. Hate As subscribe. I said, I go, yeah, hate yeah. subscribe. <laughs> Thank you guys for helping me flesh out some of this and to work towards flourishing. Yeah. Our pleasure. Yeah. Trying to pick them as you're talking Causing both minds to blur Taking shape, they fail you Each one missing its mark Unperturbed, they've derailed me Our mouths and minds are too far apart Shallow words are the words we use And shallow words we know Shallow work is the work we do, and shallow work reads nothing new. Yeah.